Hello and welcome to The Stockout. The Stockout is your show at FreightWaves about CPG companies, supply chains, and CPG companies, supply chains. I am your host, Mike Bowdendistel of FreightWaves, and it has been a busy week. Uh, sometimes the shortest weeks feel like the longest weeks, and I think that was probably true of uh, this week, at least from our perspective here in Freight World. Uh, lots of news coming out uh, this week. Um, you know, the night swift acquisition of AAA Coopers, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. More will direct you to, to where to find, uh, you know, even better information about that uh, elsewhere. And, and Freight Waves um, covered it really well. And then the Biden administration, um, you know, issued an executive order to boost competitiveness of many industries, and a lot of those, you know, directly touch transportation or some of the big shipper, um, you know, industries as well. So I'll talk about that a little bit, and then I'll get into, you know, some of the main, um, you know, news stories that I saw come across this week in the world of CPG. Um, you know, not a lot of companies reported earnings. That st sort of starts next week with Pepsi and Conagra, but there still were, you know, things such as the Tyson frozen chicken recall, um, you know, a couple of companies filing, you know, IPO, uh, you know, filings. I uh, saw some interesting stats from former colleague of mine who's one of the top uh, analysts uh, following the, the consumer uh, space. I'll talk about uh, some of the, the research that that he's published. Um, so we'll get into some of those things. Um, so stick with us. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsor, Echo Global Logistics. Echo, uh, trust the experts at Echo Global Logistics for all your freight transportation and CPG shipping needs. Whether you are a Fortune 100 CPG company or a specialty food manufacturer, Echo has solutions to fit your needs. With their dedicated team, as well as Echo Ship, a self-service shipping portal allowing you to quote book, ship, and track, Echo has you covered. Technology at your fingertips and experts by your side, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To find out how Echo can simplify your transportation management, please visit www.echo.com forward slash CPG today. So big thanks to Echo Global Logistics for sponsoring this podcast. And um, you know, the way I'd like to start uh, today is, is really just talk a little bit about the, the big you know, news flow that, that happened this week. And the main sort of news item, uh, you know, Night Swift is going to acquire AAA Cooper. And, and the reason that's so um, you know, unique is that you, know, you have the biggest truckload company in the country acquiring a regional LTL you know, company. Those are you know, very different businesses. It's not something that you see often, um, and that acquisition was covered really well um, on FreightWaves.com, in particular on one of our other um, shows, which was Great Quarter Guys, which I listened to last night about 10 minutes in. Our CEO and founder, Craig Fuller, uh, described um, you know, his thoughts on the deal, which really sort of it com coming from a, a, an area of, of expertise with you know him having grown up in the truckload industry and just what was so interesting about it that sort of other people couldn't describe was a lot of sort of the internal dynamics in terms of um, you know the, the management of the various companies and the board composition, sort of all of those things that you know I don't think you're going to get from reading a, an analyst report by most of the, the Wall Street analysts that that, that cover the deal. Um, also, we have a good article on FreightWaves.com um, describing our our hot takes of the of the deal. We have uh, about six or seven. Uh, you know, individuals participated that from, from, from freight waves is sort of, you know, what's your initial, initial thoughts before, you know, much else comes out. And, you know, I think all of us uh, just, you know, put, put our thoughts in there without really, you know, looking at, at what other people wrote. And, and there was some little bit of a differing uh, opinions, but I think for the, for the most part, 
um, at least, you know, my, my perspective coming from former financial analyst is, okay, I can see why the, uh, the, the stock market, you know, reacted favorably to the, this announcement, why, why, why shares of Night Swift were up. You know, oftentimes the, the acquiring company, their, their shares go down, but this one sort of checks all the boxes. It gets uh, Night Swift into LTRL area, which um, has been a faster growing, you know, area con considering that, you know, of the proliferation of the smaller packages, uh, e-commerce, getting uh, shipments closer to, you know, consumers. And it also, you know, diversifies Night Swift into area that is um, has higher barriers to entry. You know, typically has better pricing because it's much more concentrated and and, and less competitive. And uh, I think the resulting debt load uh, should be, you know, manageable. We've seen similar, you know, levels of debt, you know, after uh, you know Knight acquired Swift, which was a lot more, um, you know, successful despite the fact there were a lot of, of, of naysayers. You know, with that transaction as well. So you do have uh, an acquirer here with Knight Swift that um, you know, has a track record of successfully completing and integrating, you know, acquisitions. Um, you know, Swift being the, the the biggest one, but there were others as well. So, so I would encourage you to check out uh, both uh, Great Quarter Guys this week and uh, the the Hot Takes article on uh, FreightWaves.com. Um, and uh, really, the other big thing this week from a transportation perspective is this Biden administration executive order uh, for all these different industries um, in order to enhance competition. Uh, seems like the goal there is to you know, promote competition. So ultimately, there is lower prices filtered down um, you know, the, to the consumer level. So instead of sort of uh, you know, taking any um, you know, responsibility for the you know, rapid uh, inflation, uh, sort of saying, well, you know, it's, certain industries are just too concentrated, and you just have too much power uh, in the hands of the, the 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 sellers. And so it was kind of a laundry list of uh, industries that uh, this pertains to. I mean, things like hearing aids, things like you know, communications, but really the the ones that directly hit uh, transportation. Um, it's on the railroad industry, which of course you know very concentrated industry, um, and you know, talking about things like the, the reciprocal switching, which is basically what that means is, um, you know, if you have a railroad that is, is basically, you know, one railroad serves a customer, you know, there, there's only basically a captive shipper um, and a reciprocal switching that, you know, the railroad would have to quote a competing offer, you know, using a, a different railroad that would interchange, you know, on that railroad's track. So it's not quite open access, like in Australia, where anyone can go on anyone's track, uh, but it, it is a way to enhance you know, competition on the railroad. So they asked the Surface Transportation Board, which is the executive arm that uh, regulates the railroads to take a good, hard look at, at that. And that's something that the Surface Transportation Board has sort of, you know, punted on, uh, you know, recently. So that that could have, you know, be, be have implications for the railroad there. Um, and it could also, you know, potentially impact this pending acquisition of, uh, you know, Canadian National is, you know, likely to acquire um, Kansas City Southern, um, you know, you know, pending, you know, regulatory approval, it could make it so the, the, the bar is higher for Canadian National to complete that deal. You know, of course, it already is, uh, you know, pretty high, uh, considering that the railroad has to demonstrate that uh, the, the mergers at this point actually enhance competition. It just cannot just be a, a, a neutral. So there's been a lot of discussion about that here. Uh, this week at Freight Waves, um, there is also uh, you know, parts of that executive order pertaining to the maritime industry, which, um, you know, that's a concentrated industry too, about 80% market share for the three major ocean alliances. And they want 
the Federal Maritime Commission to take a hard look at detention and, 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 and demurrage charges that the shippers have to pay. So a lot going on there. And then there's even things that you know pertain to the CPG industry that I should bring up um, you know, on the agriculture side. You know, stricter rules for what is considered a product that's manufactured in the, in the USA, um, and then you know, you know, potentially uh, ruling to um, allow independent companies to repair, you know, farm equipment and 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 those you know various pieces of equipment that you know instead of having those captive to the company that manufactures you know that equipment, which I think that you know would be a good um, you know thing, and 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 so when you sort of go down the list, I mean, some of these things make more. More, more sense than others. Um, you know, the ocean side of things, it, it, you know, really there's not the same degree of barriers to entry because there's, there's no capacity constraints on the ocean or constraints with ordering, um, you know, you know o- ocean equipment, at least in the longer term. I mean, near term, there's always constraints because it takes a long time to build those, those, those vessels, but um, in longer term doesn't have the same constraints as the railroad, which there's really not any additional railroad track being built. Um, there was also uh, something in there that the Class One railroads should give priority to Amtrak and passenger uh, rail, um, which the, the relationship between you know, passenger and freight rail has been somewhat uh, antagonistic, I would say. Um, and uh, you know, Biden seems to be a big supporter of you know, passenger rail, having uh, commuted from Delaware to uh, Washington D.C. for 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 so many years, but. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how all this plays plays out, but but those were sort of the highlights, at least the, from my perspective, on the executive uh, you know orders. So on to CPG, I've got six topics here that I'm going to go through um, that I flagged as being the sort of the big you know CPG topics uh, sort of of the hour of the week. Uh, the first topic is Tyson recalls eight and a half million pounds of frozen chicken. Uh, it's a lot of chicken. Um, and you know, Tyson USDA announced sort of jointly announces recall eight and a half million pounds of frozen, fully cooked chicken for the possible exposure of Listeria, um, which is a bacteria that's harmful primarily to older adults and pregnant women. And uh, basically, the CDC notified the USDA that there's evidence that this was linked to food, and then following an investigation, it was linked. There was there was evidence at least linking those cases to a Tyson food plant in Dexter, Missouri, um, for products that were made uh, sort of late last year into the most primarily in the first quarter of, of, of this year. And this year, products that were sold to hospitals, nursing homes, restaurants, schools, the military, um, et cetera. This includes both uh, you know, chicken products that say they have the Tyson name brand and also uh, those that are private label. Um, and sort of Tyson's comment essentially was, or you know, doing this out of an abundance of caution, Although um, it did seem like uh, they were going to have to do it any, anyway, if, even if it wasn't voluntary. But um, by the fact that making it voluntary, I think uh, it, was, it was maybe a good um, you know, PR move for them. Um, and, and you've seen this with other, you know, types of foods in recent years. And you may recall the the Dole, you know, bag salad uh, situation in 2016, 2017. A lot of people got you know, terribly uh, sick uh, from from bag salad. Um, I believe that was also this the same you know listeria. Uh, listeria, um, which which led to that recall as, as as well, which you know in turn has led to um, you know greater scrutiny of you know various you know food items. Um, but this one, it looks like they're catching it um, you know at least early. You know whether it, it was actually linked to that you know plant or not. Um, so hopefully we can put this behind us you know relatively you know quickly. And it and it's just sort of one other 
sort of issue with you know food supply chains where Tyson um, has been having trouble recently with you know getting enough uh, workers with the sort of the labor shortage here in you know the the U.S. I mean they, they've talked about having higher rates of absenteeism where it's getting you know, difficult for people to to, sh- to show up um, just because of the you know high uh, you know unemployment you know benefits and uh, you know various stimulus packages and and, and those things. Um, so, um, and chicken was also, you know, one of the things that were, there were stockouts, you know, earlier in the year, um, you know, things like you know, chicken wing shortages. So it's just sort of one other thing that, um, you know, makes things difficult for, um, you know, CPG companies to get uh, the, the food they need. A topic number two is uh, grocery retailers and grocery wholesalers are stockpiling items. So this was an article from, you know, the Wall Street Journal I thought was was interesting and really the, the grocery retailers and wholesalers, and really this pertains more to the wholesalers, um, there's only so much space uh, at, the, at the retail you know, level in most cases. And, and the reason is twofold, which you know, I think is not going to be a surprise to people that have, have, have you know, listened to the show or, or just been you know, plugged into the, to the news, is, is it, you know, inflation is you know, a lot of the CPG companies, most of the CPG companies are raising prices, if not now, but uh, lay it then later yeah, in the fall. So a lot of the, the pricing increases are coming in, you know, September. So yeah, that's you know, coming up here. And so they wanted to get ahead of some of those price increases, stockpiling, you know, items. And then the other reason is just to avoid stockouts, which, you know, even though we're past, I think the, the panic uh, stage of, you know, not having, you know, enough, you know, of certain, you know, consumers, consumer goods, it's still the, 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 a lot of consumers, very favorite items, are not you know sort of fully there. I mean, we've seen things like you know not having you know enough meats or the right types of meats or you know McCormick spices or, or, or various other things. And there was a good stat and you know the article about that is is typically you know retailer places an order and about ninety percent of that order is filled by the wholesaler uh, because they they have it you know in stock and are able to deliver it. You know now it's gone from about ninety percent to about eighty percent. So it is about a ten percent delta where you know, retailers aren't getting the items they need, and in turn, uh, the um, you know consumers aren't you know getting their very favorite items. Our um, host of Freight Waves now, uh, Kaylee Nix, asked me, you know, are, are consumers going to run out of food? Are people going to starve? People are not going to starve. They're just maybe not going to get their very favorite items uh, when they go to the store, which is which is disappointing. Not the end of the world, but um, you know, maybe it is uh, if you're uh, you know grocery retailer and um, you know you're you're not you're short on those items that. You know, gets consumers into the store and and keeps them in the store to buy you know some of some of the higher margin, uh, you know items. Um, and and one stat is uh, you know another stat is you know Associated Wholesale Grocers, which is the largest uh, grocery wholesaler, has has about fifteen to twenty percent more you know inventory than it typically does. So I guess that you know constitutes a a, a stockpile, and, and usually there would not be you know that degree of uh, you know variability. Um, and so as we go forward here, it'll be interesting to see uh, if, you know, Kroger's, you know, comments, you know, sort of come to fruition where they say, well, consumers really don't tend to, you know, notice some of these price increases that are more than about 4%. Um, so that's, you know, sort of the, the range, sort of 4 to 5%, where a lot of these CPG companies are trying to keep their price increases too, you know, even if their costs are rising sort of high, you know, single digits. And if that means they have some near-term cost pressure, uh, sort of, sort of, so, so be it. Um, so, uh, you know, get your, you know, favorite grocery items, you know, quickly, maybe you should do some stockpiling, uh, you know, your, yourself before prices rise and, and your favorite items are, are tough to find. 
Topic number three, the drought is hitting almond producers particularly hard. So you've probably seen stuff on this, or if you listen to Freight Waves uh, meteorologist uh, Nick Austin, he talks about this a lot. Uh, there's a drought in the Western, uh, let's call it the Western half of the country, Western third of the country. It's hitting a wide range of crops, um, but almonds are kind of the one that's been you know, singled out here recently. And uh, the reason for that is they're a thirsty crop. They use about twice as much water as, as other crops, you know, for a, for a you know, relative uh, to, to, to sort of most others. And about 80% of the world's supply of almonds are grown in California. Sort of California is unique because the, the climate is uniquely hospitable. And, uh, you know, because it, it is uniquely hospitable, that's where a lot of farmers have decided to, uh, where, have decided to invest because you know that really gives them a competitive advantage, and so almond uh, production for a lot of California farmers is 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 more profitable than other uh, types of um, you know agriculture products. So that's where they've, they've been devoting their 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 acreage, and uh, you know a lot of farmers um, upset about this, but they're destroying uh, uh, their their orchards sort of prematurely because they can't get the proper irrigation you know to the almond trees. So they're basically bulldozing. These tr these trees, which would normally have you know a few more years of uh, production uh, of, of of almonds um, because the, of the lack of, of water, um, and uh, that's been you know obviously a big issue has potential to to really move the the, the market, um, and almonds um, have been a growing crop um, you know not just because uh, California farmers are are, are, are you know, using that—that's where they're how they're using their their resources, but but also just the the consumption is is rising. I think you know there's a lot of interest in plant-based alternatives to milk, and almond is the second most used uh, milk substitute, it's about a sixty percent you know market share. You know that may decline with you know Oatly's you know advertising, which is absolutely everywhere to try to get people to to buy oat milk. Um, and would also mention that the drought um, has the potential to you know, cause an increase in, uh, you know, agriculture prices, you know, broadly, I mean, agriculture prices have been on a tear, uh, sort of peaking in May, and then they've come back. And for, if you talk about corn and soybeans, which a lot of that production is more in the middle part of the country, those are down about 20 to 25% from their highs. Uh, but a lot of the California crops, um, you know, could get pretty, uh, pretty scarce with, with, the, with the drought. Uh, topic number four, uh, Stiefel Consumer Analyst finds pricing up in the low, single digits um, before an anticipated acceleration. Uh, and, and then he also finds that, you know, that a lot of the major CPG brands continue to take share from private labels. So this was from analysts named uh, Chris Crowey, who, you know, this is a, the company I used to work at. I still get some of the, the, the research in my, my inbox. Um, and he tracked 61 food categories for the week ending um, you know, June 27th. And what he found was that overall, the sales increased uh, two point three percent on flat volume, so um, you know basically how, you know, pricing and mix making up the difference. And um, he also noted that the the volume of private label uh, declined four point eight percent. So you have sort of the, the the national brands growing just a little bit, private label declining. So the the the, the major brands, which took a lot of market share you know, during the pandemic, still seem to be taking market share and. One of the reasons for that um, he highlights is that the, the the gap, the price gap between the national brands and the private label brands is 31%, which is down 70 basis points compared to the prior year. So if the gap between the national brands and the private label brands is lower, um, you know you're more likely to, to opt for the the national brand. That's probably the one that most uh, consumers, you know, really want. 
Um, and so he's estimating that uh, you know, overall food costs likely to rise in the mid to high single digits in 2021. Um, you know, but but should note, but notes that after this is after deflationary 2020. So prices came, you know, prices came down in 2020. They're rising in 2021, uh, but against 2019 levels, sort of the, the the price increases don't seem as severe as uh, as they looked otherwise, which is one counter argument to the um, you know all the the concern about uh, you know inflation as well. You know, we're comparing it comparing to 2020 doesn't make a lot of sense. It should really be compared to 2019. And then the other counterpoint is, well, look how fast the economy is growing. You would expect, you know, that level of uh, that level of inflation. So some interesting stats there, um, but I think that's good news for the national brands. Not so great news for the private label brands, and still demonstrates that consumers willing to spend, you know, a premium on you know, consumer packaged goods, um, you know, particularly the healthy, healthier alternatives in consumer packaged goods. A topic number five: Dole Foods and Chobani uh, filed a perspective. Each, each filed the prospectus to go public. Um, you know, Dole Foods said, said that the IPO be conditions on uh, be a condition of the planned merger uh, with a total produce, which would make Dole the world's largest produce company. Some of the highlights from this uh, this SEC filing, you know, they they left out a lot of the, the, the valuation stuff as they often do, sort of this in the initial run. But um, company predicts a 2.7 percent annual growth rate for um for their business uh, between 20 and tw- 2020 and 2025 in both the US and Europe and the reason for that is the expectation that consumers are going to um you know eat healthier of course the US and Europe populations are not growing 2.7% a year I mean a lot of the european countries the population is declining US it's growing less than 1% a year so they do they're expecting that sort of a mix you know shift from processed unhealthy foods to, to healthier foods, which I think makes sense uh, given uh, what we've seen in, in the marketplace. Uh, Dole's revenue mix, 27% bananas, 45% pineapples, and rest 28% is vegetables uh, and other things. So um, yeah, it's a good uh, mix to address uh, healthy eating issues. Um, also related to healthy eating, uh, Greek yogurt maker Chobani uh, filed a, a confidential uh, submission to go public, so um, you know, like, wasn't able to, to to look at that one and, and can't give you any stats, you know, from it. But um, you know, there was an article in Wall Street Journal earlier this year that says they're seeking a valuation between seven billion and ten billion. Of course, Chobani is the company that makes the Greek yogurt, really responsible for um, you know popularizing a lot of that Greek yogurt, which is is starting to be you know copied by some of the established. You know, yogurt brands. I think a lot of the consumers like that because it's it's a way to get, you know, some protein sort of first thing in the morning, and um, you know, something that I think, you know, consumers as we sort of come out of this pandemic are, are just looking for ways to, you know, eat a little bit healthier and uh, get a little bit more protein um, and, and just kind of kind of live in, in general a little bit more active lifestyle, which also ties into topic number six is Molson Coors. The beer giant uh, plans to fundamentally change its portfolio as consumers' tastes uh, shift away from beer. And you know, of course, one of the reasons consumers you know, shifts or tastes away from uh, going away from beer is you know fewer calories, uh, fitness, all those things. Um, and so, according to this you know, market analysis, uh, beer consumption in the U.S. Uh, declined 7.5 percent from 2015 to 2020. Um, and then, if you go back to, to 2000, in, in 20 years, declined. Uh, 11.5% from 2020 to 2015, or 20, from, from 2000 to 2020. And then, uh, you know, beer's market share 
declined 3.5 percentage points to 44%. So, so beer is making up 44% of uh, all alcoholic uh, you know, beverages, but you know it was uh, you know, well over 50% for you know period of time. And then even within that declining you know beer uh, market, Molson Coors market share is declining, um, you know, losing ground to um, you know primarily the, the, the craft beers and things. So that, so their their market share has declined about eight eight points since 2010 to 21 percent. So what they're trying to do is um, you know mitigate some of these losses, go into things like hard seltzer. They have a partnership with Topo Chico, um, you know, various other things. Even looking at things like energy drinks, non-alcoholic drinks. Um, you know, ready-made uh, cocktails, you know, those type of things. Um, so I think it's pretty, um, you know, important to understand the, you know, declining nature of, of the beer market for, you know, the freight companies that are hauling, you know, hauling freight. I mean, you, are, you do see something similar when you look at, um, you know, what AB InBev is, is, is saying. I mean, they sort of acknowledge it's a declining market too. They're just trying to, um, you know, grow into adjacent markets faster than sort of the traditional, you know, Bud Light or Coors Light or Miller Light is is declining, which seems to be declining. Let's call it two to four percent. Um, you know, each year. So um, people are drinking less beer, uh, eating more fruits, and um, would encourage you to do that this weekend. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Uh, next week um, on the stock out, I'm going to be discussing uh, the results of Pepsi and Conagra. So um, plenty to talk about in food. Next week and whatever other um, you know news comes across in world of CPG or freight transportation.